Alright, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett. My wife Sherry is going to be joining us and we're going to be continuing our Bible study tonight on the Believer's Authority. I believe this is week number 33. I know we've been missing some weeks. Uh, our schedules have been, been busy. We apologize about that, but we're here. We're back in the saddle uh, tonight. And so anyway, um, just so you know, all of our teachings though, in case you missed some, are all archived. <coughs> Excuse me. They're all archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, they're all there. And so if you, we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their, their tithes, their offerings, their contributions. And if you're wondering if you know how to do so, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Go to our gift page and give from anywhere around the world. If you simply like to write us a check, make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And on the bottom of every page on our website, you can find our mailing address. And if you're in the United States, just so you know, all your contributions are 100% tax deductible, as we are a 501c3 church. <coughs> Excuse me again. So again, we're in the, the book, The Believer's Authority, by Andrew Womack. He's the author. And we've been talking about authority. We're in chapter, we'll be in chapter 18 tonight. And in case you have a book, if not, just follow along with us. We'll be fine. Sherry will read for us, and then we'll talk about it. But just let me uh, talk about some things real quick here. We're talking about believers' authority. And we talked about, you know, just at the beginning of the book, we're in chapter 18 right now, we've been talking a lot about what authority is, what authority is not. And as believers, we have authority. Now, a lot of people that haven't heard that, actually the subtitle to this book is What You Didn't Learn in Church. Okay? And so a lot of people haven't taught this. They've taught spiritual warfare. But they haven't taught what a lot of people haven't taught spiritual authority. And as believers, we have authority. And we're going to be talking tonight <coughs> a lot about law enforcement. Now, we're not, we're not police officers, and that's not the point. Law enforcement is actually uh, an allegory of, uh, at least in this chapter, in this book, in this teaching, law enforcement is an allegory of talking about how we have authority as believers. As, as believers, we have to understand what authority we don't have. We also have to understand what authority we do have. You know, I, I have some props here that I'll be using throughout the night, I'm sure. But, you know, a cop will have a badge. This gun, <laughs> this is a play gun, okay, uh, does not give the cop authority. This does. And this, this tells them how the cop can use this and when it should not use this. There are laws, there are rules, there are ordinances behind the badge that the law, the, the, the peace officer, the, the law enforcement officer must abide by. Uh, the officer didn't write the laws, the law, the, but the, law, the police officer can't, must enforce the law. And one of the tools in his tool belt and the only, is a gun. Now, a gun's not the only tool in his tool belt. But he might have handcuffs, okay? He might have other things. Okay, uh, it would be nicer if he, whoops, I lost my gun, but it would be easier to, to use this instead of the gun, you know, but sometimes the gun is necessary. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll get back into some of this a little bit later, but, but law enforcement officers, you know, we have a agreement. We have, we have a, well, like a police officer sworn in. We're not sworn in, but we are of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is with us. Jesus said he's redeemed us by his own blood. He has made us kings and priests to reign on the earth. 
And so anyway, uh, that's some of my own teaching that I'm going to contribute to this as well. Um, but we have believers. We have believers to heal the sick, to raise the dead, cast out devils in the name of Jesus. We have the power of attorney to, to, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. And we have that authority. Now you might say, well, I can't heal the sick. Yes, you can. If you have Jesus, because Jesus is in you. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ in you who lives. He's, he made it more personally. He said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. We're crucified with Christ. And Christ is living on the inside of us. Same thing with James, uh, Peter and John after Pentecost. They came to the, uh, the uh, go to the temple. They normally did. And they, and they met a man who, and they said, Servant gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. You might not have silver and gold, but you have the name of Jesus. And you've been given the power of attorney to exercise that authority and heal the sick and cast out devils. It's not you doing it. It's Christ in you who's doing it. Because you're dead. You died in Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. And you were raised together in the newness of life. It's not, uh, Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, We know no man after the flesh. Why the flesh died? We are crucified with Christ. And it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And Christ who lives in us has the authority, has the power to heal the sick, cast out devils, and heal and raise the dead. And so we have that authority. Anyway, uh, let's get into the teaching. I'm teaching instead of Andrew. So let's let Andrew, <coughs> excuse me, again. Sherry's going to read Andrew's book a, a section at a time. We'll talk about it, and then we'll read some more. We exercise authority when we take our responsibility and do what God has told us to do. Yet this doesn't mean we can just command anything we want. All authority can do is enforce law. In the natural realm, we call policemen law enforcement officers. They only have authority to enforce what's already been established as a law. Police officers don't go out and make up the law. They aren't absolute dictators who can do whatever they want. They are limited. All they can do is enforce laws that are already in effect. It's the same way in the spiritual realm. Every born-again believer has this supernatural God-given power. Still, there are spiritual laws governing how it works. Like a police officer, all we can do is enforce the law that's already in effect. We can't use God's power in a selfish way because there isn't any law where God promises to give you what you're lusting for. Instead, we need to learn what the laws of God's kingdom are and then recognize that our authority is simply enforcing these spiritual laws. In the natural realm, some people try to violate the laws of the land. This is why there's a need for law enforcement officers, people who go out and enforce those laws. In the spiritual realm, there are demons who are constantly trying to oppose us, inflict their evil will upon us, and prevent us from experiencing the fullness of God's provision. We must enforce the spiritual laws of God's kingdom that have been established. Well, thanks, Sherry. So again, Andrew's uh, reiterating some things I already uh, reiterated in, in, in this uh, uh, opening statements that I have regarding the Bible study. You know, we're not creating the laws, we're enforcing laws. Now, what laws? Are we talking about the laws, meaning the Ten Commandments, the Torah? No. You know, she just came to fulfill that law. Okay? We're no longer under that law. 
Okay, the law is only written, uh, it's not written for the righteous. Okay, it's written for the ungodly. And we're not ungodly, we're in Christ Jesus. But there are laws of the kingdom. You know, about five years ago, I did a teaching series on the laws of the kingdom. And there's laws of the kingdom. If you have a kingdom, you're going to have laws. Every, every government has laws. And we are of the kingdom of God. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. What are some of those laws? Well, we have the royal law of love. We have the law of faith. Um, we have the... Well, I'm trying to think Liberty. of those. What? Liberty. Law of liberty. Thank you. That's the one I was trying to remember. Uh, and James talks about that. We have the law of liberty. And there's some just other laws. We have the law of sowing and reaping. We don't think of that as a law, but it, whatever a man sows, he will reap. And that's a spiritual law. Okay? You know, if you sow corn, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna reap, reap corn. <coughs> you can, you you can't sow corn and reap raspberries. It doesn't work that way. Dogs beget dogs, cats beget cats, monkeys beget monkeys, and so on and so on. Bumblebees beget bumblebees, and cockroaches beget cockroaches. You know, and we can stop there. But at the same point in time, you get my point. Humans beget humans. Uh, plants beget plants. Uh, and so if you if you want if you, you don't want corn, don't sow corn. And Paul talks about this in Galatians. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you are in corruption. Uh, if you sow to the spirit, of the spirit you will reap life and peace. And so, so if you don't like what you're reaping, then you need to change your what you're sowing. And that's, that's just a law of the kingdom. There's laws of the kingdom of God. And there, <clears throat> at the same point in time, when we understand righteousness, that's why I spend so much time teaching righteousness, when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, there's so many prophecies. There's a scripture in Corinthians that says, all the promises of God are yes, amen, to the glory of God by us. Some translation says, through us. God gets glory when we, all, first of all, let me say, all of his promises are yes, and they are amen in Christ. To the glory of God. God gets glory when we walk in his promises. And these promises to the glory of God by us or through us. We have a part to play. What's our part to play? To bring them into manifestation. To walk in them. To, to put faith in and receive the promises of God. <coughs> you know, when again, I go back to it. When Peter and, and John went, went, went to the temple and they said to the man, Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They were using the authority. They didn't have silver and gold, but the guy didn't need silver and gold. He needed to be healed. And so he, they, 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 they healed the man. He'd already been there for, I think it was, if I remember right, he'd been there for like 18 years or so, so on. I mean, all of his life he's been there. I can't remember now. But at the same point in time, he needed healing. I mean, that guy could, could walk for the first time. And he needed healing. But And and Peter and John just said, silver and gold we have not, but what we do have we give you. What? We have, you know, when Jesus sent out the twelve, and when he sent out the seventy, he gave the same commission, go preach that the kingdom of God is here, heal the sick, cast out devils, um, raise the dead, freely receive, freely give. You can't give something you don't have, but you do have something. You have Jesus. You have salvation. You have, we, Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and even greater works because I go to the Father. I believe the greater work is salvation. Because up to that point, no one had, well, no one was saved as far as to the, to, to the new covenant because Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't rose again yet. It's, they were still in the old covenant. 
But I believe that the greater work is salvation. But salvation, if you've been following my teaching on Sunday mornings, salvation by definition in both the Hebrew, Yeshua, and Soteria and the Greek, by definition, the word salvation is forgiveness of sins, but it's also wholeness, healing, prosperity, deliverance, and more. And so that's just by definition, and that's the benefits of salvation. But the purpose, and what I talked about this morning in my message this morning, the purpose of salvation is not to go to heaven and avoid hell, and that's a major benefit of salvation. You want to go to heaven, and you don't want to go to hell. But the purpose of salvation is a relationship. Jesus died on the cross so that you could have a relationship with God. You know, the, the worst thing about hell is not the fire and torment. The worst thing about hell is God's not there. The best thing about heaven is not the mansion, is not the streets of gold, is that Jesus is there. And we get to see him face to face and have a relationship. Jesus said this in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that you know him, the one true God, and Jesus Christ as your Lord. And, and I, I paraphrase some of that, but eternal life is not heaven. Eternal life is a relationship with God. We could not have a relationship with God because of sin. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The goal was everlasting life. The problem was that we were perishing. Jesus came so that we can enjoy salvation. For he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous God in Christ Jesus. Two verses later in chapter 6, Paul says, And today is a day of salvation. Now is the day, the time, the day of salvation. <coughs> Though, like I'm preaching this morning's message. But, see, in one sense, you can be born again, going to heaven and not going to hell, and still miss the purpose of salvation. And the, the purpose of salvation is a relationship with God. I believe there is a heaven. I believe Jesus is coming again. And I believe that those who don't receive Jesus are going to hell. And it's, it's a message worth preaching. But the purpose of salvation is not to go to heaven and avoid hell. The purpose is a relationship with God. Now and then. We don't have to wait until heaven to have a relationship with God. You can have everlasting life, eternal life, which is a relationship with God. Now. We get to have it then for all eternity without any sin and what, what not. You know, one thing, one thing good about heaven too. Revelation chapter 22 says that there's no more sin. <laughs> there's no more sin. It's gone. There is no sin in the world. And so, anyway, you know, I even said this morning, I believe there is a heaven and there is a hell. But even if there was no heaven and even if there was no hell, Jesus would still have died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. Man had a perfect relationship with God as God walked in the cool of the day in the garden and they, they, walked, they, they fellowshiped in his presence. But they couldn't fellowship in his presence because of sin. sin. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. Okay? Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. In order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And so we are born again so we can enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. But, and so what are we doing? As long, what does this bring us back to authority? Well, once we know who we are, in the kingdom of God, we can call the things of not as though they are. We can do the works of God. We can do the mighty work. We are, you know, this is another teaching, but we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. There's work to do in the kingdom of God. There's people that need to be healed. There's people that need to be set free. I don't know if you've ever seen Narnia, especially the, 
the first one that the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It, this applies to the other ones too. But Lucy, she has that little bottle of I forget what they call it, but uh, it's a it's basically anointment so that they, the person gets healed. Okay, and they would drink just a little drop of it and they would get healed. And I love that and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe towards the end of the the, the, the movie and the book that uh, when. After Aslan had been resurrected, who was a representation of Christ, Lucy went around healing everybody. There was work to be done. There was work to be done. People need to be healed. People need to be set free. People need provision and, and wholeness in their lives. And we have a job to bring law enforcement. We have... We, have, we can do a law enforcement in a sense through the word of God, through the spirit of God, and we can tell the devil, enough is enough. Like Moses did to Pharaoh, let my people go. And it's time for God's people to go and be the church of the living God. There's something that we can do as believers, and that's what we're going to get into talk about. Anyway. Amen. I got fired up. Amen. Uh... I encourage you to listen to Dave's message on Sunday mornings. It's it's been awesome. He started out with with uh, redemption and and he's talking about salvation. Uh, it's been really good. You know we're using Andrew's using the analogy of police and law enforcement, and someone can argue about well what about the the bad policemen or the ones who are using their authority wrong, and that's. That's not the analogy we're using here. Um, we're not even, in a sense, talking about law enforcement as in what's out in today's world. Um, the, we're talking a, a, about the ones who are doing their job right. And uh, this analogy of police officers, you know, Andrew mentioned about how in the natural realm, some people try to violate the laws of the land. Uh, and that's why we need law enforcement officers. You know, people try to steal and to kill and to do all sorts of horrible things. And we need law enforcement officers to keep the peace, to protect and serve, to, um, you know, to enforce the laws. And I, I appreciate Andrew using that analogy because as believers, we are to do that. We are to enforce the spiritual laws of the kingdom and when Jesus himself told us what we are to do, which Dave uh, already echoed, uh, about healing the sick, raising the dead, you know, casting out demons, healing the lepers, you know, preaching the gospel, you know, we, we are to take back what the enemy has stolen. You know, sin and the curse came through the fall in the garden, and that's that's not what God had intended. He intended a relationship with God, like Dave was talking about, and he was talking about in his message this morning. Uh, but we are, we are to take that back. The kingdom of God is advancing, and we can be a part of it. That's, that's what God has placed in every believer to be a part of, uh, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's part of this law enforcement mentality for a believer, the spiritual authority. We are to take back the, what the enemy has, has stolen. You know, when Jesus says, go and heal the sick, you know, we're not to be lackadaisical about it. We are to be, go heal the sick. Uh, you know, 
there's stuff that I go through, uh, whether it be a headache or whatever, and sometimes you know, the, the pain or whatever it is, is, um, you know, I can feel it. It bothers me. Sometimes I go around stewing over it because it's preoccupying me. But that's not the law enforcement or the spiritual authority that, that Christ has given me as a believer I am to put my foot down and say, no, it does not rain in my body, and I'm to, to take it back. You know, if, if you're in war, you have a, uh, another country or kingdom invade and take what's not theirs, you know, most countries, you know, there's some that will sit back and just let the invading army take over because they're bigger and stronger, but that's not what God has for us. One, Jesus already is victorious. So we need to to fight from a place of victory. What Christ has already done, he's already given us, and we're just, we're not to put up with it. You know, we're, we are to say no. You know, there's a lot of crusaders out there um, who fight for the good of mankind, whether it be feeding the homeless or, or the orphans or helping our military veterans or whatever the case may be. Those are good works. Um, and there are some people, some advocates who won't sit down, who won't shut up, and they will fight for the rights of the underdog or, or the lower class or, or however they're to be um, de defined as. And, you know, just looking at... I won't go in that rabbit trail. But look at the, you know, Dave talked about Moses and Pharaoh and, and talked about how the children of Israel came out of Egypt's thumb back, back in um, in Moses' time. And, you know, when, when the children of Israel got into the promised land, they didn't just stake their claim on whatever land they, they, they wanted and they lived happily ever after. God told them, hey, I'm giving you this land, but you need to drive out what is not of, I'm paraphrasing totally in my words, you're to drive out what's not right. You're to drive out the ungodly people. You are to take what I have given you, but you need to do something about it. And in a sense, that's what we are to do with this believer's authority that God gave us. We are to drive out sickness when we are confronted with it, when someone else we see is confronted with it. We don't sit back and say, well, you know, I hope it works out for you. We take a stand and we don't put up with it. And sometimes uh, there are times when me personally, I'm going through something and I'm trying to take a stand and I'm feeling like I'm falling on my face, I get another believer, usually Dave, because uh, he's my spiritual head, and he holds my hands up like Aaron and her with Moses, and, you know, we, we get through whatever it is I'm facing. As believers, we have the body of Christ. We are to go out and heal the sick and do everything that Jesus said with the authority that he gave us as the Son of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and we are to do something uh, with what God's given us. You know, the, the police officers, as Dave likes to say, don't just sit back. They go out, they patrol, they do what their job 
uh, calls them to do. And, um, you know, we, we need to have our mindset changed. Uh, we've been, we've been taught wrong. A lot of us, most of us, uh, or we've been taught to be, just sit back and let the chips fall where they may. But no, we, we are to do what God has called us to do. The mandate that Jesus gave us as children of the King. Amen. Amen. Well, let's read some more. A legal binding contract. Most people don't see the kingdom of God as operating under law. Instead, they see it as being directly under the Lord, and they think he often changes his moods. They'll say, they'll say things like, you never know what God is going to do. You can't put God in a box. God is definitely bigger than and outside of the little box you've tried to contain him in. But he has also established spiritual laws that even he will not break. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, Psalm 138, verse 2. Although many scriptures reveal the power of the name of Jesus, like in Philippians 2, 9-11, God has magnified his word even above his name. A person's name is no better than their word. If they don't keep their word, their name isn't accounted for anything. However, the name of Jesus is powerful because he never breaks his word. When God says something, it becomes a legal binding contract. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Psalm 89 verse 34. When God speaks something out of his mouth, his word is a covenant. It's a contract he will not break. Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power, Hebrews 1.3. In other words, our entire universe is held together by the integrity and power of God's word. If he were to ever break a promise or otherwise violate his word, this whole world, the universe, and you and I would all self-destruct. It's God's integrity that holds everything together. You know, I love that passage of scripture, you know, in Hebrews chapter 1, that God upholds all things by the power of his word. It goes on to say, if you read the entire verse, and you just quoted a part of it, but he upholds all things by the power of his word when he himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus purging our sins is the word that is upholding all things. If Jesus did not go to the cross and sit down at the right hand of the mighty God, and 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 God and, and then everything would just—I used to say everything would just turn into goo and share it correctly. No, everything would just vanish. It wouldn't exist. Every atom, everything that was created, would is upheld by the power of God's word. When he upheld, when he himself purge our sins. If God does not keep his word, everything would just cease to exist. Do you understand how radical a statement that is? Could you imagine everything just vanishing, you yourself vanishing? <coughs> because God didn't keep his word. God says he, he honors his word above his own name. And if God honors his word, he expects us to honor our word. That's a whole other message. But at the same point in time, if God honors his word, 
And his word tells us that we have the authority to go heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, preach the gospel, and, and whatnot. And God's going to uphold his word if we go preach the gospel. And there's just so much I can, I can elaborate on, you know. Uh, but God keeps his word. God has a binding covenant to keep his word. And we, as born-again believers, are born again. And in one sense of the word, we are almost like deputized. We are deputies of the kingdom of God, enforcing his word. We're not lording it over people. You know, there's something that he said here. Uh, most people don't see the kingdom of God as operating the law. And he went on to say something else. But we call him Lord. If he's Lord, and we call it the kingdom of God, then God is operating in the kingdom. And you can't have a kingdom without the rules and laws. And we have the rules that we are enforcing are the, the royal law of love, the law of liberty, the law of faith. The, we're upholding God's word. We're preaching it. We're saying, we're preaching the gospel, and if people will believe the gospel, they will be saved. Because we are saved by grace through faith. And when people put faith in God's word, <coughs> they are saved. But they can't put faith in God's word if they don't hear the God's word. They have to hear God's word so faith can be born, and that faith in God's grace will allow them to be saved. And if you understand the definition of salvation, which I've already shared from both Hebrew and Greek, the word salvation means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. And so, if, if you hear that God heals, and you put faith in God to be healed, and we preach God to be healed, we preach the word of God so you can have faith in God's grace, then you can be healed. Same thing with prosperity. Same thing with your 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 your, your needs being met. You know, some people don't like the, the, the. We've had people mad at us because we teach healing. Is he not Jehovah Jireh? Is he not uh, um, what's um, Jehovah Rapha? I think it's his name for healer. Is he not our El Shaddai? He's not El Chipo. He's El Shaddai. Some people don't like the idea of of God the prosperity. Is your gospel the gospel to be poor? I'm not preaching prosperity so you are serving the God of mammon. I'm preaching prosperity so you can be blessed to be a blessing to bless all the families of the earth. <coughs> he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that he gives you power to get wealth so that he can establish his covenant with your forefathers. God wants you to be blessed. God doesn't want you to be poor as a church mouse. God doesn't want you, God says you will be the lender, the, uh, um, the lender of many and the borrower of none. The third John chapter, oh, there's only one chapter, verse 2 says that he, he prays that you will be, that you, your soul would prosper and you be in good health as your soul prospers. I chopped that up a little bit, but that you would prosper and be in good health. The prosperity is more than just money, but it doesn't exclude money. Do you know that you can serve the God of mammoth whether you're poor or rich? You can be so envious and and lusting for money, whether you have no money at all or whether you have a, the millions of dollars. Money's not the problem. The heart's the problem. 
And you, you can use money to serve and do things in the kingdom of God. God wants you to be prosperous. Abraham was prosperous. Uh, Isaac, his son, was very prosperous. It says that Jacob was extremely prosperous. Joseph was the prime minister of Egypt in the, in the biggest country of the world at that time. Money's not a problem. The gospel, salvation, is, by definition, means prosperity. I'm going to be talking about that in a few weeks on Sunday morning as I talk about the benefits of salvation. You know, we got to make sure we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Are there people... Are there people who have are doing even ministers who are doing wrong with money, and money has just become an idol to them? Yes, but just because there's some kooks out there doesn't mean you have to be a kook too. Okay, you don't have to. Paul says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." And if I don't follow Christ, then you don't have to follow me. Okay, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you hear, if faith comes by hearing the word of God. And when we put faith in God's word, we can see salvation. You can see your needs met. You can see healing met. You can be delivered from different things as simple as being, if you're addicted to some type of addiction, if you're addicted to gambling, if you're addicted to pornography, if you're addicted to drugs, or you're addicted to gossip. There's some people, you know, they are just addicted to gossip. Some people are just addicted to food, to alcohol, to drugs. Some people, coffee's good for a lot of people. I don't drink coffee. I don't even drink soda. But you know, some people are just addicted to coffee. We had a minister grow, uh, years back uh, where his son needed to go to the hospital, but he had to go get his coffee before he went to the, take his son to the hospital. So I'm just backwards with that. I mean, I mean uh, go take your son to the hospital. Get your coffee later, you know. Uh, it's like your coffee is more important than your son. Something's wrong with that. Okay, um, some people are just addicted to all kinds of stuff. Sports is not a bad thing in and of itself, but some people are just addicted to sports. Um, you know, whatever the case might be. And so, it's okay to have hobbies. Some of these things are not a problem in themselves. Money's not a problem in itself. Some people are addicted to money. You know, <coughs> excuse me, let me flip the coin. Some ministers are so addicted to ministry that they have neglected their own relationship with God, and they have neglected their own families. They're doing a good thing, ministering, but they're so addicted to ministry that they have neglected their own relationship with God, and they have neglected their own families and loved ones and responsibilities. I love it in the story of Mary Martha, where where um, when Jesus said, "Martha, Martha, one thing is needful." And Mary has chosen the, the one thing that won't be taken away from her. And so, you know, we need to, even as ministers, even as parents, even as spouses, the number one thing in your life needs to be your relationship with God, which is the purpose of salvation. Which is, because if you don't prioritize your relationship with God, this relationship or any other relationship, your job is going to suffer. But I promise you, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. But now that we're part of a kingdom, see, when we're part of a kingdom, we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. And there's a lot of things out of order. People being sick is out of order. COVID is out of order. Different things are out of order. 
people struggling financially in many different ways is out of order. And we are have authority to come use some law enforcement and bring things back in order. And I'm not talking about civil law enforcement, even though I appreciate our cops, I believe appreciate our police. And the Bible talks about appreciating our police. I can I can preach it out of the book of Romans. I can preach it out of some other scriptures. That's not my topic tonight. And we need to pray for our police. We need to pray for our our, our, our government and whatnot. At the same point in time, and anytime Sherry and I, we meet someone out uh, in the field and they're a police officer, we, we try to make a way to go and say, we thank you for your service. But we're not talking about police right now. It's just an allegory. But we have authority to pray, to, to preach, and proclaim the kingdom of God is here. And whatever is not aligning to the word of God, whether it be sickness, whether it be finances, whether it be someone's life or whatever, or some type of addiction, we command it to come into alignment in the name of Jesus. Silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Be healed. Be whole. But he's, you know, I, I did it early, late last year. I did, I did a, a, a teaching on the seven names of God. And one of the names of God is that he is our provider. One of the names of God is that he is our healer. One of the names of God is that he is our deliverer. He, he's our banner. He's our portion. He's our, pe he's our peace. And I went off on some of the names of God. But, but we, we need to know who we are. And when we know that, we... We can enforce it. And this whole section that we just read, that God's word is a binding covenant, a binding contract. We are in a covenant relationship with God. I'm teaching right now on salvation on Sunday mornings. I just finished a teaching on redemption. And then after that, I'm going to be talking about the blood of God's covenant. Uh, and so I'm going to be talking about that later on. We have a covenant relationship with God. You know, David understood God's covenant with man. Was it God's covenant with Israel? That when he saw Goliath, his feathers got ruffled. And he dealt with it. He did something about it. David said to Goliath, I come again against you, not with sword and spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord. And the day I'm going to feed you a carcass and the carcass of the Philistines to the, to, to the birds of the air. David had authority. Why did he have authority? Because he has a covenant relationship with God. And David's covenant was an old covenant relationship. We are in a new covenant. And we have a about on better promises. I think later this year, if not next year, I'm going to be doing a teaching on the book of Hebrews. Talk about the better covenant that we have. And we have a better covenant. And most of us are not walking in authority because we do not understand our covenant relationship with God. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. And God keeps his word. If God does not keep his covenant, his word, we would all cease to exist. Because God honors his word above his name, and he upholds all things by the power of his word. What word? When he purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Hebrews 1.3. Anyway. Amen. So. Preach it. You know, this... This contract, this covenant that Dave and Andrew are talking about, you know, in in the natural realm, in the natural world, we see contracts being signed all over the place with businesses, with, with people becoming partners in whatever area, and lawyers, 
even if you buy a house, you know, there's contracts and different things that you sign and all this paperwork and lawyers take the time to write out by law so that this contract is binding. So these two parties that, that come together, uh, that they're not supposed to break this, this contract. And a lot of times one or the other uh, comes to a place where they like I don't want to be in the contract anymore and they're then they sue and they do different things and they have lawyers who pour over the contract to see if there's any loophole that they can get out of this legal and binding contract and you know, you know that's that's the world's take on contracts and you know anything legal that you know that a lot of them try to find a loophole out of it but what people don't understand, what believers a lot of times don't understand, that God's covenant has no loophole. God's covenant cannot and will not, won't, whatever strong enough word I could use, will not, cannot be broken. God's word, once he said it, it is, it is so legal and binding, nothing can break it. And... We need to understand that as believers, we live by and in God's covenant that cannot be broken. A lot of times, even believers, we tend to have a victim mentality. Oh, I'm, I'm sick. Oh, I'm going through this. Oh, you know, I, I don't have money. I have a, you know, and sometimes we don't even realize we have a poverty mentality or a uh, sick mentality or, or whatever it is you know Dave just a moment ago talked about um, addictions people can be addicted to being depressed or to worry and yet God's contract his word the word of God this Bible that he's given us his contract his covenant better word cannot be broken there is no loophole in his covenant. Jesus signed, sealed, and delivered that covenant with his own blood. And nothing, nothing can break that. All right, let's do one more section here. The law of faith, we kind of already alluded to it. So let's talk about it a little bit. So when God speaks something, <coughs> excuse me. When God speaks something out of his mouth, it becomes a contract, a law. Once he said it, he won't change it. In order to effectively use your authority, you must know what his laws are. When a new police officer is hired, they immediately study what the laws are that they were hired to enforce. Their police chief doesn't say, oh, just go out there without knowing anything and see if it works. Maybe the people will submit. No, that's not their attitude at all. The police officer is thoroughly grilled in what the ordinance and statutes are, what is permissible and what's not. Law enforcement officers have to know the law because they can't go beyond it. They can't just do things on their own. A police officer does have authority, but that authority ends at the end of the law. If there isn't a law prescribing what they're trying to enforce, then they can't do it. It's the same in the spiritual realm. You can't just pick and choose according to your own selfish whims. You must know what the laws are that govern the kingdom of God 
and then abide by them. If you try to enforce something outside of those laws, it won't work. You can't just use your God-given authority to do your own thing. Romans 3 speaks of the law of faith. Where is boasting then? Is it, it is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Romans 3.27 Faith has a law. There is a law of faith. We're not going to be able to finish this uh, topic of faith and talk about law enforcement. We're going to have to probably reread this little section next week and then go to the next section, which is talking, which is expanding on this. And I can open that door right now. But let me just say this. I talked about uh, uh, these laws earlier. I think it was last year or whatnot. But, you know, again, the royal law of love, the law of liberty, and the law of faith. And I talked about how these laws, they work for everybody, everywhere, every time. And when you understand these laws, when you understand the law of faith, for example, because that's the one we're talking about, and we understand what we're having faith in, for example, the gospel, healing, prosperity, provision, um, deliverance, wholeness, and etc. We can know when we understand and we cooperate with these laws, we know that it's going to work everywhere, for everyone, everywhere, every time. We can count. It's a law. It's not a law like a civil law. It's not a law like um, the Ten Commandments and the, and the Torah. When we're talking about law, we're talking about a spiritual law. The best way I can describe it is to talk about a natural law. For example, the law of gravity. The law of gravity works for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's not like some people are sitting down in the chair and some people are just happen to be floating right now. You know? Uh, it works in America, in California, and it's working right now in Pakistan. It's working right now in India. It's working right now in Africa. Gravity is working everywhere on this planet called Earth. It's not like, you know, right now we're having a, a gravity lift in, uh, in California. It, it just... There's a small pocket in Camarillo, California, and some people just are starting to float up into the atmosphere. No, gravity works for everyone, everywhere, every time. The law of thermodynamics, the law of uh, reaping and sowing, it works for everywhere. I, can, I, I know when I sit in this chair, I'm not going to be floating up in the air. Okay? I just know it's going to work. Why? Because it works all the time. It's a law. I know if I jump out of the airplane, and I don't have a parachute, and I don't have an airplane, I'm going to fall to the ground, and more likely I'm going to die. Why? Did gravity kill me? No. I just didn't cooperate with the law. It works for everyone. It's not playing favorites. It's just how it works. And the law of faith is the same way. If we put faith in God's word, if we put faith in God's covenant that will not, will not be broken, when God says we lay hands on the sick and they will recover, it will happen for everyone, everywhere, every time. Why? Because God said it. His word is true. And when we believe it, it's the law of faith. And that's why he says here, what, where is boasting? And it's excluded by what law? The law of works? No. By the law of faith. We don't boast in what we've done. We don't boast that we are, in a sense, officers of God's kingdom. 
We boast in the word of God. We boast in the grace of God. We boast in the gospel. We boast in Jesus. And it's not because we are good. It's not because we're the sharpest knife in the drawer, the, the brightest crayon in the box. We're boasting because we have Jesus and we have heard the gospel. We believe the gospel. And silver and gold I have not, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And Jan- Peter and John expected that man to walk. By what law? Because they were good people, they were the disciples, they were the apostles? No. Because they had Jesus. And they gave him Jesus. And they expected that man to walk. Just like Jesus has healed many people in times past. In the three and a half years that they knew Jesus. <coughs> they expected this man to walk and he did. We have authority. And we're going to be talking more about this law of faith next week. And we'll get into, when we get to chapter 19, we're going to be talking about how the power flows. That's where we're going. We've still got some ground to cover in chapter 18. But when we get to chapter 19... We're going to be talking about how the power flows. And I'm excited about that. I appreciate uh, Dave's last point about it's not us. It's Christ in us. A lot of times we can be discouraged because we're like, it it doesn't work when I do it. You know, I prayed for this person. It it doesn't work. I've done this. I've I've done that. Well, that's us trusting in ourselves. We're not realizing. We think... We think the power's from us. And then we're like, well, it doesn't work. Well, yeah, it doesn't work because we ourselves don't have that power. What we have, like Dave shared about uh, Peter and John, it's Christ (coughs) in us. It is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in us, but it's still not us. In a sense, we're a vessel. You know, electricity runs through wires but the, the wires are just the conduit, the, <coughs> the, the vessel for the electricity to run through. With us, it's Christ in us coming out. And, you know, something I appreciate about uh, law enforcement officers in the United States is when you're a brand new, I think they uh, uh, call them a brand new officer, a rookie. They're, they're new at their job. They got hired to do their job. And yes, like Andrew says, they're, they're learning the laws. They're learning how to enforce them. But when they're hired, uh, they, they are partnered with a cop that has, is, has been on the job for years. They, they, they have time under their belt. They, they know the laws. They, they're good at their job already. They can mentor the uh, younger cop uh, it, to make sure that they, they understand their job, to understand what they're doing, to, to give them their own examples of, of how they've learned and matured and, and know how to do things. They, they teach, they, they mentor the, the cop. And that's why, as new believers, you're not just thrown out into the world to just do whatever and you, ah, what do, you, what do I do? You are grounded in the Word of God. All of us, every single believer, needs to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, Dave and I are big on relationship with God. Dave's message message this morning was all about relationship with God. That has to come first. 
You can't be like, well, I'm a believer. I, I have these gifts. I, I have this gift, that gift. You can't just go out and and just fly by the seat of your pants and hope it works. No, you have to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus first. You have to be mentored under a good Bible preaching, gospel preaching pastor. Be under God's word and be mentored and not just go out by yourself. You know, Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. He didn't just, just throw them out. He mentored. He walked with his disciples. He taught his disciples. They learned. And, you know, one thing neat about the disciples, they got to walk with Jesus when Jesus was here on earth as a man. That was really cool. But what we have today, uh, we have the whole Bible written out for us to read and be discipled in. We have mature Christians. You know, I learned from my own parents who are mature Christians. I learned from Dave's parents who are mature Christians. They're not my pastors, but they are uh, not just older in years. They're older in in maturity in the Word. They've been they, all four of them have been walking with the Lord for a while. I learned from Dave, who, yes, he's my husband, but he's also my pastor, and I sit under his teaching. We have others like Andrew and Lawson and different ones who we've sat under because they preach the Word of God. They preach Christ crucified. They preach the gospel, and, you know, I've been in the Word, I can say, almost all my life, but I still need to sit under Bible preaching, gospel preaching pastors. I need to hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I don't know what I know now just because I'm a believer. I've been in the Word of God myself. I've been under good teaching myself, and I'm still being mentored today I've been, yes, I've been to Bible college, but I'm still in God's word because if I'm only relying on myself or my flesh, I'm, it, it's not going to work. But because I believe the word of God and I understand God's word when it comes to the kingdom of God and, and what he has for me as a believer, that the whole body of Christ is necessary and needed, uh, I, I can so keep keep going, but I know we're we're short in time. Th this whole idea of being mentored is a good thing. It's a God thing because we need to sit under God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's not going to work if we don't understand it. If we don't have that intimate knowledge, that knowing that Dave preached about this morning. A lot more we can say, but we're going to say this for next week. So anyway, you guys have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday morning and Sunday night. God bless you guys.